surprise, surprise, you thought we were on hiatus and not going to have another episode or bonus episode until we'd switched over to the new season and the new name and the new format as the Icon Podcast. Well, we got you, so you're in for surprise. Here we go. Let's get to it. You are listening to a bonus episode of this weird overlap time where we used to be the All Things to All People podcast, and we are transitioning to the Icon podcast, so it's no longer the All Things to All People with Michael Burns podcast, it's now the Icon podcast. That's it. And then the hosts are myself, Gianna, and Jason. But today, it's a bonus episode, and it's just me. We're going to be talking to Marshall Mead about the upcoming Vision Conference for 2022 in Orlando, Florida, in July. And so it was a great opportunity to talk to Marshall. A lot of you are interested in going to that conference, or you're already signed up for it, or maybe... You have never heard of it at all, and we're going to introduce you to it and see if you might consider that it's something that you would want to go to. I think it will. So I look forward to having this conversation with Marshall today. So welcome to the podcast, Marshall Mead. Marshall, let me give a little introduction here. Uh, You are the uh, evangelist at the Orlando Church of Christ and the executive director for the Vision Conference. Did I get that right? Correct. You did. Or or you could call it the World Discipleship Summit. The World Discipleship Summit. That that sounds much more impressive. I like that. Now, let me ask you on that. I have in my closet hanging this beautiful blue polo shirt. In fact, I just noticed, I think you're wearing the same shirt. And I am. It, it says on it, Vision 2020. Marshall, That's right. just in case anybody's been off planet for the last couple of years, uh, why is it that we're heading into 2022 and we're just now having a conference that was entitled Vision 2020? Uh, well, that's a great question. And you would have to be off planet to not know the answer to that. (laughs) Um, we hit the year 2020 and we were doing quite well with our conference, with our registration, with our momentum, with this sense of buzz. And, uh, there was a small issue in Asia that was, uh, you know, called SARS or COVID. And uh, we we did not think that that was going to affect the conference much at all. Um, and as it turns out, it, it did affect the conference in a huge way. And we ended up postponing it. And I remember the discussions at the time, uh, we were thinking, let's just push it till next year, because mm-hmm. certainly 2021, this will all be a distant memory. And um, I remember people on that call uh, who were saying, we are hearing that this may last longer and you you should think about two years postponing it. And I remember thinking, those are the crazy people. <laughs> those, those are the tinfoil hat wearing people. This this won't survive the heat. Have you been to Florida in the summer? There's no way a virus like that could survive. Well, here we are. And, uh, we are still praying and hoping that 2022 will be, and I can prophetically say (laughs) by faith, this will be the year we host this conference. Yeah. I, well, your lips to God's ears. Let's, let's hope, but I'm, I'm with you. You know, I was recently at a Jim Gaffigan show, the comedian, and he said that COVID has become like your favorite television show that gets canceled and then picked up on Netflix. Like you think it's <laughs> over, but it keeps getting renewed for another season. And uh, we, I just saw Gaffigan a week and a half ago here in Orlando at the Dr. Phillips Center. So oh, did probably, you? Probably, 
probably the same show. And yes, he said COVID is also the the baby that you just changed into a clean diaper yes. in the middle of the night, laid in the crib, and then heard the diaper fill up again. Yes, the, uh, we were at the same show, I think. In fact, he was he was doing a Netflix special, and he recorded yes. it here in Minneapolis. So That's we right. were we were there for that. So um, yeah, so he's he's spot on with that, and I'm with you. I would not have thought that we're still dealing with and to dealing with this in 2022. It's just crazy. Now, l- let me ask you, you said, uh, or we mentioned that you're the executive director of this conference as well as, you know, full-time ministry. You have a church in Orlando. How, how did you wind up in that position holding this bag, uh, right now at this time? Um, yeah, I, that's, that's, a great question. And it is a bit of a story uh, because, you know, I mean, to not to go too far back, but my wife and I had been out of the ministry from, uh, we stepped out in 2003 and I, I went back to my structural engineering career at that time. And then we moved from Phoenix where we were in the ministry and we uh, moved to Orange County, California. And and I did worship and led a family group and was just a, you know, a Christian in, in the Orange County Church of Christ uh, and doing engineering for about 10 years. And we, uh, I began to really feel called to go back into the ministry. And this, this will sound self-serving, <laughs> but the, the very thing that made me begin to dream again, that softened my crusty, incurable, hard heart was this conference in San Antonio, the World Discipleship Summit. I remember going there. My wife and I went. We could barely afford to go. We were in all kinds of debt. There was so much uh, spiritual darkness just in my life that had crept into our family. And, uh, you know, it, it just... I was I was the one making money and putting it in a purse with holes in it. We just were treading water at that time spiritually. And I remember seeing so many of our friends, so many of our ministry friends, so many of our missionary friends uh, from around the world. And it, it began to sink in how far I had fallen. Mm. Um, and this is really 2012 from, you're talking. This is 2012 yeah. in San Antonio. And, and Sean and I began to really dream for ministry again. And so uh, in 2013, we went back into the ministry. And so we, we were there in Orange County for about four years, and I began to feel a real calling or tug to try something different. And I, we were at a staff retreat planning our 2017 calendar. So this would have been October of 2016. And I went out to pray and I I feel like God has met me a few times just in person with a vision. And it's always been on a mountain. I grew up in Colorado. Mm. And so I think I have an affinity for the mountains. And it seems like if I've had a very profound moment with God, and it's not every day, but it's it's every few years, it's been on a mountainside. And I clearly saw a vision of us leading the church in Orlando and for me directing the conference and that the conference should be called Vision. Mm. And that will sound, uh, uh, that's not who I am as a person. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm an engineer. I'm a linear thinker. I'm not an experiential uh, you know, Christian, uh, I long for more experiential worship and connection with God, but I felt a very deep connection with those. It's almost as if God was pulling the curtain back and showing me that's what's going to happen. And I came back from that quiet time, told Dan Roditti, who we were doing ministry together there. Uh, we were up in Big Bear, California. I said, I just spent the last hour praying for for the Orlando church for this conference in 2020. And I believe it should be called vision. I think I'm being called to go to Orlando to lead the church and to, to head up this conference. Uh, that was kind of my comment to wow. him. And, you know, it was a long and circuitous route for that to come. They had been looking to hire a lead evangelist and, and they had interviewed a few uh, much more qualified candidates than myself 
<laughs> and um, so I kind of let that go. I actually just told God, I'm not going to pursue it. I'm not even going to throw my name in the hat. If you pursue it, if you pursue me, though, I will go. And, um, and it, you know, in a way, it, it did come back in a very profound way. Todd Assad uh, from Dallas began to consult with the church in their hiring process. He had reached out to me to see if I, I'd be interested, or I, maybe I reached out to him. I can't remember, but we started talking about Orlando. And um, in my last disciple, discipleship time with Kevin Maines in Orange County, we began to discuss Orlando. And he asked, would, is that, I just said, it's been on my heart. He asked, would, would you want to go? Would you want to lead that church? I said, I don't know. It's just super scary. I've never led a church. Uh, we've only been back in the ministry for four years. Um, it's not California, which is where we lived for many, many years. And uh, that was just kind of a the beginning of what I thought would be a conversation between Kevin and I. And then he passed away um, about one week later, wow. and he was the lead evangelist for the church in Orange County. And our whole world just kind of turned upside down. But but I had begun to reach out at that time and, and, and ended up going and interviewing in March of 2017, being hired and moved there in July of 2017. And with that, uh, took basically the responsibility of the conference. I just said, I, I, I love doing things like this. I, I will do it as part of our job uh, in Orlando. Mm. Now, I, I noticed that, that's a really incredible story, by the way. And I noticed in your, the, the vision kind of that you had for the vision conference that God, as he often seems to do, you know, in Mark chapter one, he calls the disciples to follow him. And it's not till chapter eight that he drops the bomb of, oh, and it's going to be the way of the cross, by the way. So, Correct. So you, God God called you to this thing, but didn't maybe quite fill in all the details, which may have freaked you out <laughs> in the moment. And so he, here you are, you're now in Orlando, you're planning this conference in 2020, and of course, as you said, the, the pandemic hits, all this kind of stuff, it, it throws it into chaos. It, it sounds like a nightmare <laughs> in the sense of, from, from my perspective, we were planning um, in 2019, we had done a series of basketball camps with uh, uh, a professional basketball player who's a disciple. And we took a bunch of volunteers and we went over to Africa and we were planning to do that again in 2020. And so I'm simply trying to organize something that involved like 25 people and it became a nightmare trying to figure it out. Right. You know, are we going to go? Are we not rescheduling it? Eventually we just had to, you know, we still haven't been able to go. So I'm in charge of something that involves 25 people. And it was a nightmare. This conference is, you know, what are the estimates? 15, 20,000 people. And you're in charge of that. What has that process been like? The process of delays and postponements and dealing with the city and venues and just fill us in a little bit. Uh, I, I know you can't give us all the details, but a little bit of, of that, um, just mind numbingly nightmarish process. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, it has been quite a challenge. And yes, God d did not, uh, you know, consult me uh, <laughs> on my preference of when the pandemic would hit. Um, and so I, I would have August things... of 2020 would have been much more convenient, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I think obviously now I see the wisdom of God in it. Uh, because you think about it. What if the pandemic had hit afterwards? Um, what if a lot of sort of what was brought on during our isolation, the news cycle, um, the political upheavals that we saw, the racial upheavals that we saw, what if we had this amazing conference and all of that stuff happened afterwards? Wow. What vision would have been communicated and would it have been uh, 
would it have still mattered? Would we and what we said at that conference have mattered at all as mm. our world entered into such a challenging time? Um, we would have instantly become irrelevant. That would have been a conference that people would have, in a sense, forgotten about. Wow. Um, versus, I think now uh, we are positioned to really seek what is God's vision? What is God's vision of the world? What through the lens of God's kingdom, which I still think has to be our lens. We we all look through life through a lens. And if our first lens, if our posture is not what is God doing for the sake of his kingdom, uh, then we're not seeing you know God mm-hmm. clearly. And so I, I think this lens of the kingdom really has to be put on uh, the forefront of our minds. And and so, uh, plus, I think our church is at such a different place. Vision was not a, uh, a difficult concept for our fellowship of churches 20 years ago. We had a very clear vision. It was uh, 32 years, Jesus comes back, we all go to heaven. You know what I mean? Yeah. And take the whole world with us. So vision was was everywhere. People were grabbing visions, going on mission teams. So what is that vision that we're, that's, that's all encompassing, that's all inspiring? I knew that that was the need, or at least I felt that that was the need. And, and so throwing the title out there of vision was kind of my way of saying, we need to land on what our vision is by the time everybody shows up. So it's not like I felt that I had a vision of where our church needs to go. I just felt like as a community of churches, let's let's clearly communicate that by the time everyone shows up. Now, everyone has not shown up. So back to your question, what was that like? Um, I learned a lot about myself. And, and what I learned is this. I... Um, you know, God, Jesus told a parable of the talents and he distributed five, four and two uh, talents to, to people. And then, uh, you know, he, this this man goes off and and he comes back to collect on his investment. Two of them proved very worthy with the investment and doubled it. One buried it. Mm. Um, so in my mind, there's a pro and a con to the way I read that. The pro is I feel this was a responsibility that God gave to me, to the Orlando church, to our staff, to our planning team, etc. We are the host church. We have to be good stewards of this responsibility. And so um, the downside to that is I really desire for everybody to be happy. <laughs> everybody sure. it's it, through their registration experience through their hotel experience through their online experience through their booking through their travel through the you name it so any unhappiness that's expressed uh can can get me off and so you talked about 25 people okay multiply that i would spend time responding to people and i still do i'm in a different place with my anxiety <laughs> and stress over it but I would respond to people individually, personally, private message, any unhappiness, I would try to get to those folks and address it, try to put a positive spin on it, try to reach out to them. Mm. I would call people even on that, you know, Facebook, you can just actually call them. Yeah. I would call somebody and say, I noticed that this comment, um, wh- what was your experience like and, really? and why? And I would try to engage with them. And for the most, I mean, disciples are amazing. We're, we're our worst when we're at a keyboard. <laughs> we are at our best when we are in person. Mm. So I would say that I'm still holding out hope that people will just come, that people will be together in person, not online. I get it. Some will definitely have to join us virtually. But I think being together in person, we start realizing this is this is what I love about this church. This I love coming together and seeing disciples of Jesus. So the downside also is in that parable, it seems as though the master that handed the talents is gone and is out of the picture. 
And as March and April began to hit, and as we began to shut down church, and as people began to wonder what was going to happen to the conference, as we went from having a thousand registrations a month in January, February, and March, it just completely stopped. Mm. We were at 16,200 and then not a registration more uh, after that. And so we thought this thing's going to go to 20,000 online. And then usually, like in San Antonio, three to 4,000 people just showed up and registered. So we thought this is going to be amazing. And for a while, I felt so numb because I felt the absence of God in this responsibility that he had given me. And that that's a mm. twisted interpretation of that parable, but it's how I felt. The sure. master left me with something and was so distant, and it was my job to steward it and return it back to him as a good investment. Um, and so it was a, it was a time of uh, just personal hurt mm. um, with my walk with God. I felt like it was very difficult to pray. And at first it was praying for God to come my way on this. God, come my way, do something miraculous, like do something big, Mm. do something to where when we're at the conference, it will be very clear that this thing could have crisis averted. God's in control. The whole God has the whole world's attention. I began to think of (laughs) dumb dogs. (laughs) That's all right. I'll, we I'll we love that dogs. Part over. No, we love yes. dogs on the on the on the podcast right. here. Keep going. Um, yeah. So, you know, as March and April hit, I began to see that um, this thing wasn't going to go. I I wasn't going to get God to do my will, which I think for many of us that is what prayer is all about: is making sure God knows what we want. It's our Christmas list. It's and he can he doesn't have to pick everything on that list, but at least pick the big the big gift. That's non-negotiable. God solve this so that everybody comes. That part's non-negotiable. And when I knew, in a sense, by April, I knew that there is this isn't the conference that we wanted to plan, that we wanted to have. And and it was just renegotiating with the hotels and trying to get out of contracts and and realizing you know, force majeure clauses, if you can believe it, were not going to be a- applicable. You think force majeure, which is an act of God, which kind of cancels all contracts, you would think global pandemics would fall under that. You you start realizing a bunch of legalese when you're really? in this situation. So then there was liability and, and attrition clauses. And it was it was sort of like a six to eight week stalemate between us, the venue, the hotels. Now, I would say for the most part, we have a great relationship with all the hotels and and the venue, and there's more to that. They, they really have been amazing. The city of Orlando, this is our business. This conventions and conferences, almost everybody in every business has had the opportunity to come to Orlando for their event or conference. So that's what we do. The venues have been great. But all of us were so reeling that we didn't know what was going to happen. So I, I look back to that time. Um, I I had to go seek medical attention for anxiety. I was having a difficult time praying or believing that God was present. It was a, yeah, it was a crazy spiritual journey. Wow. I really appreciate what you have done through all of this. Um, I, I appreciate the the journey that you've been on and I, I can't even imagine the, the pressure and anxiety that you have felt and gone through spiritually and physically and all of that. Are, are there any specific spiritual lessons you've, you've learned and, and taken away through this time you you touched on a little bit but is there anything specific where you're like man i have really learned this well i yeah i mean i think um you know obviously letting go um but it's more than that 
I, I think what it is, uh, and letting God is, you know, that's a very, you know, easy way to say what I have learned, but it's more than that. Um, it's more, it's, it's sin. It's my sin. And with repentance comes times of refreshing. So when we don't let go, when we are, you know, when God gives us something, it is a responsibility and we are stewards of it. But I think at times we become owners of it and we even celebrate that. Hey, you got to own it. You got to take responsibility for it. It's my responsibility. It's my issue. I lead this church. I lead this conference. it's, It's my. So. So we internalize that, and it's a rep- reflection and a representation of us, but it easily becomes an idol. And we really do think that things hinge on our involvement. We like to be agents of change and influence, but it can become an idol. I think of Abraham, and he finally has Isaac, who is the answer, and, and I think he probably believed that the whole salvation of the earth depended on Isaac, which in one sense it did. The lineage of Christ would come through Isaac. So hmm. the salvation of the world depended on this relationship between Abraham and Isaac. So what did God say? Go put Isaac on the altar and, <laughs> and, and, and give him up. And obviously God had no desire to kill Isaac. They, they both went up the mountain and they both came back. Nothing changed, but everything changed because Abraham let go of Isaac. And he realized the salvation of the world does not depend on Isaac. <laughs> it depends on God. Good uh, and, it, and it always did and always has. So I really do think that for me, uh, I, I want to do a good job with the responsibilities that God gives me, whether it's my family, my marriage, my parenting, my kids, my, the, the church I lead, um, my, this responsibility with the conference, but it's so intoxicating to let that become an idol where we control it. And then there's so much fear when we're in control, um, the same way a parent fears. And so all of Abraham's fears went into that one moment and he had to let go. And I think as I had to let go of this thing, I also had to let go of just the idolatry of my own um, ability to influence and control things in my life. And so I do feel in a much more peaceful place, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen this year any more than I do did, you know, in January of 2020. It's mm. January of 2022 and COVID in look at it this way, Michael. Um, I remember the first blast sort of announcement that I sent out to the churches saying we are monitoring COVID. And at this time we're still moving forward. I, I went back and read some of those. There were 12 cases of COVID in Florida <laughs> when I first wrote that. Wow. And, uh, and a cruise ship parked outside of Canaveral with 50 cases, but we didn't let them in, you know, so, (laughs) so now there's, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands. We're setting daily records even now. So I, I don't know what's going to happen this year any more than I knew what was going to happen that year, but my posture is so different. It truly is God's. It always has been God's. Um, and it, for me became sinful and Mm. it required repentance. Mm. Such a great perspective. I really appreciate that. It's helpful. I think there's, uh, you know, something of that, that we can all learn from, because I think that's what God does in these situations. He shakes loose these things that we cling to and trust to, uh, or trust in. And, uh, Gosh, that's really good stuff, Marshall. I appreciate that. Let me switch gears just a little bit. I want to go back to your role as executive director. Now, does does that mean as the executive director of the World Discipleship Summit that you 
uh, plan this conference, plan the venues, plan the classes. You're going to teach all the classes. Uh, you will personally greet everybody who arrives and register them. Um, do, do you do all of that? Or uh, I, I assume there's a few things that you have farmed out to other people, but what, what, what do you do and what don't you do at this conference? Yeah, I mean, it would depend on who you ask because some people still email me with the, uh, you know, the class idea that they have and they assume <laughs> that that I am the conference overlord and get to choose all that. So the way it works is we are the host city and the host church. And so as a director, I interact with the venues and the hotels, negotiate those contracts. And actually a lot of that, we have partnered with a uh, conference management company called Conference Direct. Mm. Uh, they came and observed the REACH conference. One of their representatives, uh, Charles Bellow, came and observed it. And, uh, you know, I, I, obviously I've talked with Mike Tolliver and Jeff Mannell, the previous two directors of our, our largest two events. And uh, I think we realized this is the first time also that I've led a church and the Orlando church is between 550 to 600 members. And so mm. that's a new experience. And I knew trying to do both, that's too much. Um, even with my hero model of doing ministry, <laughs> even I know that's too much. Um, so yeah, partnering with a conference planning company, they, uh, they are amazing means I don't take a single hotel reservation. I don't, find all the space in the rooms. I don't negotiate these contracts. Now we review them from a legal standpoint, for a liability standpoint, our board of directors, et cetera. But uh, they have partnered with us every step of the way and really saved uh, so much of uh, just our <laughs> sanity. Now with that though, they, they are paid. So if we were kind of doing all of this as volunteers, it would have saved us you know, money because now we have two more years of paying a professional planning organization to help us with this. But I don't, you know, as disciples, we kind of think we could do everything and we do everything well. Right. I'm like, that's, that's not the space I'm in. I'm thinking they do this for a living. Let's help, let them help us. So if, if you come to the conference and you you find the link and you get your hotel reserved and you go and you get your badge printed and you go to the sessions and the microphones and projectors work and you get a t-shirt as you leave. I've done my job as the host city. We really are the logistical planners. Mm. Now, outside of that, um, we have in our fellowship of churches service teams that help organize the actual content. So um, the regional family chairs uh, and the catalyst team serve probably to come up with the ILC, the leadership programming. There's a campus service team of campus ministers from around the world and especially in North America that, that gather together and that their whole world is campus ministry. So they're putting together the program, the speakers, the men's classes, the women's classes, for the ICMC. We have a single service team. My wife and I served on that for three years, uh, which was a great time. And we helped plan a conference in Denver, uh, Elevate in 2014. The single service team comes up with, and those are built from full-time ministers, uh, singles, etc. So it's, they are the boots on the ground that know who the speakers are, that know who really this class, this disciple, this person, they should speak. Uh, and that goes all throughout elders service team, teacher service team, the women's service team in the ICOC. Uh, so, uh, and there's a youth and family service team, both kind of a youth aspect and a parenting aspect to the youth and family service team. These are the ones who, when you go and you pick your class, you will go to the app that we hired, contracted, and programmed for you on the back end. And you will find all the classes that all the service teams have chosen, speakers, content, panels, etc. And so that's how these conferences work. Mm. 
that's what you're paying for is a lot of that on the end. And I will say that Conference Direct in working with us and learning our culture thinks that we are crazy. And, <laughs> and what I mean by that is this, we offer like four days. And if you are in middle school and high school, it's a $55 registration. That's like 12 bucks a day. Um, if you're an adult, you could have registered a long time ago for around 160 bucks, $40 a day. Um, if you're a leader, uh, some of that is food and beverage, buyout, coffee. You may get a, 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 you know, a cup of coffee and a granola bar. So you're going to pay a little extra for that. So um, <laughs> there's, there's so much that goes into that. They are used to conferences like this costing between four to $800. Some of these business conferences that probably you don't pay for because your company sends you to them, they are much more than this. We know what that sweet spot is. We understand these are families coming with kids. Uh, it's just a and staying at hotels. It's an investment. There is no way around it. So the only thing we're trying to do is break even, <laughs> right. really, especially <laughs> now, two years later. So this is a bargain. Yes. Nice. Yes. Was that a good sales job? Uh, it was. It was. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm sold. I'm, I'm coming now. I was, I was on the fence and now, now that I know it's a bargain, I'm there. Um, now logistically, I wonder if you could just speak to this for a moment. There is going to be a little bit difference logistically, I think, uh, if I'm correct here between the way the conference was uh, initially envisioned in 2022. Uh, 2020 versus now in 2022, it's going to be split up a little bit uh, with different conferences on different days. Could you talk to that for just a moment? Right. So it, it is going to be different. And the reason is, is our group could not, uh, with, with our size, they could not fit us anywhere in 2022. In our summer months, the summer months that we wanted to be. And we even pushed it back like three weeks later than it normally was, which I know, I, I guess some counties start school in July or August. I have no idea, but I know it, it doesn't work for everybody. Um, overseas, it's actually a little more friendly of a time schedule. A lot of travel mm. in August is is the travel months in, in some of the countries overseas, although I don't know if if our international folks can or will be able to come. I certainly hope they they will. But um, yeah, so we could not get a venue that would hold all whatever we thought we were going to be twenty some thousand, and and so we decided to spread it out, and then we actually spread it out too much, and so we contracted it a little bit. So we we're going to start on July thirty first. God. Lord willing, and uh, end on the following Sunday, August 7th. And so the, the first out of the shoot will be our singles campus and our leadership conference. And the cool thing about that is I think the ILC, the leadership conference, is I would hope that everybody would want to attend that. Anybody, any disciple, any married, any, any retiree, anybody. It's not uh, just for leaders. It's for anybody that feels like they desire to have a stake in what our church is doing and the impact that we're making on the world and will continue to make as we move forward as a congregation, of ch as a cooperation of churches. So the ILC is totally open. Uh, it is like a, you know, an open book of, of what's going on with the leadership of our movement. So, and it will be training and personal spiritual development as well. Um, it's not just a three-day leaders meeting. There's a lot going on there. So I, I'm really excited that the ILC does not have to compete with every other leadership track, but that but all the leaders will be there in one location. Now, the singles and campus will also be going on there at that same time. And my hope is that even some of those will stay and help volunteer and and serve perhaps during the youth and family conference. So the numbers probably work out to be about 50-50 split with the youth and family and what we're calling Forever Faithful being the tail end of the conference. And Forever Faithful is 
you know, disciples single uh, or married or single again, or even widowed, divorced, uh, et cetera. But basically disciples who just, I don't know if this has happened in your church, but a parenting workshop is done for the whole church. And there are people that have said to themselves, that phase of my life is over. Mm. <laughs> and um, depending on where my family or kids are at, this is actually, this brings up a lot of feelings. I just, I, I, what else is there other than raising kids that I can make a contribution to God's kingdom? Mm. And so the idea is there are so many disciples now as our church reaches 40 to 50 years in age as a movement who they've done it. They've raised kids. They're now enjoying their grandkids. They're hopefully postured for retirement and thinking about, in a sense, this is our campus ministry all over again, except with money and maybe a better car (laughs) than their old AMC Gremlin that doesn't work, in which five visitors are counting on that car to get to church. So this is these are people who now can travel, who now can impact, who now can be influencers and and shepherds and elders and deacons and servants of the church. I, I, I'm amazed. In the Orlando church, the first congregational service we had in a, in a year's time, we met on Zoom, and we had our first outdoor service. And as I'm pulling in, they've got about 12 or 15 volunteers that are ushering people in, getting them parked and telling them where to go. I don't think there was anybody under the age of 60 on a May hot day in Florida that was there early at 7, 7.30 in the morning, coning everything off and serving. The older members in our church are so poised to give back to God's kingdom. And so our hope was that we have to create an entirely separate track for those disciples to to dream. And it, it goes along with the theme scripture of Joel chapter two. Your, your young men will see visions. I, I love making room for young leaders and young people in our church to do amazing things for God. But our old men will dream dreams. And I think older men and women still have dreams for the kingdom. And so I, I pray that this track will minister to them and help them see the contribution they can make. Wow, that all sounds amazing. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Is there is there ever a moment where the the two sort of halves of the conference will all get together for one service, or are they going to stay pretty separate the the first part of the week and the second part of the week? So there's nothing official where we will all meet together, and and the reason is there's no space. Sure, again. Like if, huh. if we could fit 20,000 chairs in a place and all meet, we would have done that. Gotcha. So the, the thing that I started talking about, we started running this up the flagpole with uh, uh, Tony Fernandez, um, John Markowski in New York, some others, Hans Rasmussen in Denver, and then our AV team here, AV Matters with Richard Runge and Mike Evans, is Wednesday is our half day. So those conferences close Wednesday morning. The next ones don't start till Tuesday, or, or t- I'm sorry, till Thursday morning. So Wednesday night is totally open. And I thought, what if that is the night where anyone who wants to stay or come early could have a crossover event? And what better to do than actually just worship God? So we are kicking around the idea of any and everybody is welcome at a worship event. Now, we're trying to get some of our bigger names uh, and artists throughout the kingdom to play. And, and it, it, honestly, and, and I know, again, this sounds self-serving, our thought is to perhaps make it a small donation, $5, whatever sure. it is, or a VIP experience, reserve the, the first 40 rows, for a $20 ticket or something, something to, we are in a huge hole um, financially just because of all the money that we could not recover all of the 2020 costs. When we came up to six weeks before the conference, you have to pay a lot down to 
to get some of that stuff. Some of those vendors and, and people are still honoring those commitments and using it, but some of those costs were just sunk. Like all the reservations had to be canceled and made anew. So our housing department is a complete new contract. So our hope is maybe to also utilize that event as a bit of a fundraiser for people that just like to say, thank you for all you've done. And people have been amazing. People, everyone who sees me says, thank you. And we're praying for you. I mean, uh, I, I, many people feel sorry for me. <laughs> so, so I'm leveraging that pity into maybe something that might make us back. And, and I would even ask those who's who artists uh, to, to help out and maybe donate their services. So that hasn't been decided, but I'd like to see that happen. Yeah, I, w- I would love that. And I, uh, I think you should ask for a donation. You know, people drop money to go see a movie all the time and don't think about it. I, I think that's more than reasonable. And and I'll tell you, Marshall, if if you're looking for those high end musical artists, um, I will volunteer. I'll I'll do a private concert uh, for, excellent uh, for extra donations afterwards. Um, An evening with Michael Burns. Yes, yes, with you, special guests. Tina Crowley and <laughs> Big City and Speech Thomas, you know, well, but you're the headliner. Well, well, of course, if you, I mean, I could pack in tens of people that would come to hear me <laughs> sing. So excellent. <laughs> no, that is not my gift, but God bless those who do have that gift. But before I let you go, though, I, I did want to ask you this, and you don't have to give a real long answer, but I, I do want to hear your answer on this. Is you talked about the logistical changes, but you, you mentioned uh, earlier when we were chatting, and you said that, uh, and it was such an insightful point that if we had been able to have the conference, and then all this stuff broke, you know, the pandemic and yes. the racial revolution and just of the political upheaval and all these things that it would have been, the conference would have been irrelevant to the yeah. world that we stepped into. So how is the content of the conference changing and adapting to a world that suddenly looks incredibly different than the one just two years ago? Uh, I, I know you're not exactly in charge of the classes and, and that sort of thing, but do you have your finger on the, on the pulse of that at all? Like how, how is it changing to adapt to the world that we're now in and facing? Yeah. You know, I mean, that is yet to be seen. One of the things that I did when we put our registration together and anybody who's registered probably took this survey are what are some of the things that you are interested in? And uh, we we created what we called the Stronger Conference to, in a sense, address, uh, try to have a, a house by which we could come and, and discuss and learn about and, and hear about all of those issues. And so it was very interesting. You know, uh, I, I, I love... Um, Guy Hammond's ministry, strength and weakness. And he tells kind of the story of, you know, his first time getting to sort of speak at a conference, one of our big conferences. And there was a room, you know, and he went in there and had to move some t-shirt boxes. I think it was a storage room. And I I may be telling the story wrong, but it was an underwhelming, you know, uh, sort of topic. And I felt like we have to give those topics a, a house to live in. Now we can relieve the bigger programs in a sense, because I still think the kingdom message is the vital message. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm surprised that people are so surprised that the world is a dark place. Mm, mm. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm surprised that people are still shocked that there are hateful you know, racist, misogynists, like that this stuff still exists. It shouldn't surprise us, but it does surprise us. And it is shocking and it is sad, but I still feel like the kingdom message is the message. Um, I see that in so much of what you write and you espouse is the kingdom message is the only escape. It is the only out. Now, how do I navigate out of that tailspin? I think you have to have tools to do that. And so 
in our survey, it was very enlightening what people wanted to hear about. Some of the topics I thought would be at the top of the list were at the bottom. Some at the bottom were at the top. Uh, honestly, mental health, um, anxiety, depression, wellness, uh, these things were at the top of the list. Uh, I think uh, inequality, racism uh, was was not near the top. It was right in the, the middle. I think that's that that could be a, also an indicator of who's registered, you know what I mean? And, and what are the topics that they are passionate about, you know? Um, and then uh, some of the same-sex attracted issues, uh, gender dysphoria, some of those things that we might think, well, that's that's a hot topic in our world today. Those were not as selected. And who knows? Maybe, I don't know what to conclude from that, meaning maybe we've done a better job of of putting that stuff out there than we have addressing the racial issues or mental health. And so maybe it's more of a cry that people want to hear more about that and how to navigate that in their Christianity. So I would just say that uh, so many of these topics, we are going to try to find a place for those within the stronger content programming. Vince Hawkins, uh, Doug uh, Wenz and others have been doing a great job of putting that program together. They've reached out to you and many others who are champions of these issues. I think those need to come to the forefront. And I'd be surprised if instead of just housing those in the stronger conference, if those didn't make their way really into everything that we're doing now, because I feel like we need to address uh, these issues with our collective kingdom voice with it from a scriptural point of view. So that has yet to be seen, obviously, um, but I, I think it will be uh, embedded in the conference in a profound way. Good deal. Love it. Let me see uh, before uh, I let you go. I know I said that a minute ago, but let me see if I can save you a couple of Facebook messages here. Uh, <laughs> if, if somebody had registered two years ago and gotten their hotel rooms, did they lose those rooms? Do they still need to redo that or um, should they still have those rooms or is that, is that a different They're case gone. Case? They're so gone. they're all canceled. Every okay. hotel reservation was gone and we emailed everybody out. Right. A new a new link they can reserve it, and we've thought about just publishing that um, so that people can reserve rooms. What ends up happening is it's a cart before the horse. People grab a bunch of rooms, and this is what they learned in St. Louis. People reserved tons of rooms and then canceled them oh. or didn't show, and so they ended up hitting attrition, which is you did not fulfill your room requirements. So we are trying to make you go through a bit of navigating, meaning register first, please. Okay. Um, we're doing that with all foreign disciples as well. You do not get a visa letter until you register. And I will tell you, people email us from every country on earth, from every church that's not even our fellowship, trying to just get an invitation and a visa letter. They will not show up for the conference. They're just trying to get into our country. Mm. So there's even crazy international things that are going on. A little scam um, going on, hey? Yes, especially the part of the world you have done great mission work in. <laughs> they tend to really be savvy in, in navigating uh, a system of getting in and, and getting visas. So uh, that's that's just part of an international conference. Okay. So yes, those hotel reservations are gone, but you can make new ones. And the cool thing is, is you don't, you're not charged until mm -hmm. you get there, you swipe the credit card. Whereas if you go through hotels, some of these other venues, number one, we own the greatest rates there. Some of those hotels are about $240 in that same time we've negotiated blocks down to like 159, wow. things like that. So you only get that rate through us. And then it also helps us to fill our legal requirement that we're contracted to fill. And then you can move that reservation, add a day, end a day, as long as there's availability, you can go from one hotel to another. Within our block, you can change that as often as you would like to log in and tweak it. So it's, it's the best way to go is to come through us to get your hotel reservation, but you got to reserve or you got to register for the conference. There first. you go. So register, then reserve. And is the best place to register the, the website, worldscipleshipsummit.com? Yep. 
worlddiscipleshipsummit.com. There you go. And as last question, are there any um, recommendations or restrictions, masks and all of that? Or is that something we've got to wait till we get closer to find out? Yeah, let's just wait on that. I mean, it, you know, during COVID, every time you hit send on the email, it was like <laughs> instantly out of date. I will tell you, one of the last emails we sent out to everybody before we postponed the conference, uh, I wrote the night before, and I'm a long-winded, as you could tell by this podcast, But <laughs> I, and I'm also that way when I write. And I, I said, hey, the Olympics are still holding out hope, and we are watching them and other large events to see what they're going to do. And uh, I woke up that morning. Hans Rasmussen from Denver is a great friend of mine and is really helping me all with a lot of the technical and website and development and app side of things. And so he was about to email it. I just I told Hans, I said, can you just take out the uh, reference to the Olympics? I said, I don't know what they're going to do. Let's just take that out uh, because if they cancel or do something, then maybe people will go, well, now what, Marshall? Um, so we took that line out, sent the email out at eight that morning. By 10 o'clock, the Olympics had postponed. Wow. There you go. So uh, there's no sense in really saying, I mean, we know where we live. We live in in Florida. Florida is open. All the parks are open. Our family just went on a cruise, uh, the one that we were supposed to go on in 2020. <laughs> we did a four-day <laughs> cruise. We wore masks when we were inside. Uh, we took them off when we were outside. Um, you know, I think Florida is a state where they are allowing each person to kind of calculate their own and live with their own level of risk and caution. Um, so if you're going to write out a pandemic, I've, I've actually been okay with writing that out here in Florida. Um, so, and, and you just don't know with Omicron, it's almost like the one that everybody's going to get and maybe get through and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe it dies, dies out after that point. I certainly hope so, but uh, there will, of course, be a virtual conference, a virtual option. We will live stream big events, some classes in each track, not everything. Um, I've seen the level of engagement of those people. They tend to be on for 12 to 20 minutes of any given speech or event. Mm. It's just not the same. It's not the same experience um, as it is being here in person. But some, that will be their only experience and our, uh, our, our churches around the world that may be their only possibility. So we will certainly offer that. My hope is everybody uh, assesses their own family and personal health needs and risks. And many people are traveling. If you look over the summer, you can't find rental cars. You can't find hotel rooms. You can barely find plane tickets because people are wanting to get out and about. And so I pray for everybody's safety, and I pray that God will give us a, a window of opportunity to to make this thing happen, and and then uh, I will retire from event planning forever. <laughs> well, there there you go. If you can at all make it, please try to come to the World Discipleship Summit in uh, July and August of 2022 in Orlando. Marshall, thanks so much for joining me today, and and please give a thank you to the Orlando Church of Christ there and all that they have done to support and bear the the burden and brunt of this conference. Thank your staff, uh, your ministerial staff there. Please thank your family. Uh, I'm sure this has been a, a lot on them, and I, I just want to acknowledge that you have, I, I'm certain, done more than uh, and born more of a, a burden here than any of us will ever know or understand. And so thank you uh, for doing that. We, uh, I genuinely uh, appreciate it. So for what it's worth, thank all those people and thank you for being willing to carry this burden for us so that we could all be together in Orlando, hopefully. Well, thanks for recognizing those folks. You know, they, it, it is Lord's justice. I, I definitely am not a group project type person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like remember right. back in school group projects? Yes. They're and you, the worst. You, you end up like doing the work or, <laughs> you know, your people are slack or, or people's ex, you know, uh, this is the ultimate group project. 
And uh, we, I could not do it without our board, our eldership, our staff, Conference Direct, our AV team, which is here in Orlando, AV Matters. I mean, with the sponsors that are coming on to help support the conference financially, um, which includes all the names that, that we might know, but they have been amazing to work with, whether it's Disciples Today or, or Hope Worldwide or new sponsors like Solomon Foundation, especially the family, Tithely. There's, there's just so many folks that have been such a joy to work with. Uh, and so it is a group project. God is uh, is laughing at me as I have to <laughs> rely on so many more people and give this uh, back to him. So, Oh, that's great. I love it. Thanks for joining us. And Marshall, I'll see you in Orlando. Great. Lord willing. Lord willing. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Thank you. If you are able to attend the World Discipleship Summit, the Vision Conference in Orlando, please, what are you waiting for? If you haven't already registered, go to worlddiscipleshipsummit.com and sign up. It'll be a great time and we will see you there.